This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Your Radio Doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, products, physicians, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on Your Radio Doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First Doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Saturday afternoon at 5. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, 7 months or 10 months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good afternoon and welcome to your radio doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Well, it's January, a great time to pause and reflect and look at the chessboard for the upcoming year. Today, our topic is how to prepare for your annual physical. Our world has become more automated, including the medical world, and electronic records have benefits, but it's also important to make sure that the information included is complete and accurate. So let's talk about the ways in which you as the patient can be proactive in making sure your information is correct. Joining us today is Dr. Rhea Powell, an Associate Professor of Medicine at the Sydney Kimmel Medical College at Thomas Jefferson University, and the Division Director of internal medicine there. Welcome, Rhea. Thank you so much for having me. Well, we're very fortunate to have you. So, Rhea, let's get started. We talk about preparing for your annual physical. First of all, why is it important to have that annual physical with your primary care provider? Yeah, thanks so much for asking. There are um, so many reasons why it's important, um, from preventing chronic illnesses before they develop, identifying things early on, um, and managing health conditions that you know, may come up or that you may be dealing with. So it's really important for lots of reasons that, you know, really whatever age you are. And I guess it's because a lot of conditions are quiet. There are no symptoms that tell you that your blood pressure is elevated or that your cholesterol or other fats like triglycerides are elevated or that you have thyroid disease, especially if it comes on slowly and you adapt to a, a sleepy thyroid and after a while it's harder to get up the steps or you, you notice and then you've let it go for a while, not intentionally. So at what age should you start? I'm sure that's not a specific answer that you can provide, but. Yeah, I really think there's no wrong age to be getting an annual physical. Um, you know, certainly I think a lot of people are accustomed to, you know, in childhood going every year for their annual physical with their pediatrician or family doctor. And, you know, sometimes as people get older, um, they, you know, that sort of falls off and they're not sure when they're supposed to be going on a regular basis, but I think it's a great idea for anybody at any age to be seeing their, um, you know, primary care clinician on a regular basis. 
and stay in touch because the big stress in the world right now is health and wellness. Don't wait until you get sick. We talk about screening, not just for cancers, but as we said, blood pressure, hearing, vision, all those those important um, medical issues. So let's talk about the history and physical. It's not just a physical exam. Your history is so important. And if you really want to get the maximum benefit from a history and that conversation with your physician, be prepared uh, for some of the subtle questions that we're going to ask. So how do you start with your history taking? That's half of the exam. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, the history um, and that conversation that you have with your primary care clinician is, you know, I would say probably even more than half. It's really your opportunity to talk about, you know, any health issues that you've had throughout your life, um, any symptoms that you might be experiencing, what you should be looking out for and thinking about, um, and um, really get that comprehensive discussion about your health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start by asking, because I too am an internist, so if I see somebody with a GI complaint, like constipation, for instance, I'm not going to just say, you need more fiber. I'm going to check your thyroid and see if that's slowing your motor. Or if somebody has heartburn, I'm going to check and say, how much coffee are you drinking? Because that we know that caffeine can be a, an issue. So we're going to say, really think hard to the patient and and prompt them with questions that we'll talk about in a second. But are there any symptoms that you've noticed that have persisted in the in recent months? Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it's things that you might not think be are related to, um, you know, whatever the symptom or condition is. So, you know, I'll tell my patients sometimes, like, you know, are there any other symptoms? They might not seem related. You know, if you're coming in for joint pain, are you having any rashes? Have you had any fevers lately? Have you, you know, traveled anywhere where there might be ticks? Um, that kind of thing. Do you have a you know dog that you go out and walk in a field? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's lots of questions that may not seem you know immediately relevant to the specific symptoms, but it's important to be able to have that time to get into that discussion and sure. through that history. And so one of the pluses of electronic records for us as providers is we now have pop-ups. And when a person gets to a certain age, we know we're triggered to double check: Have you had your annual GYN exam for women? Have you started? We, we need to get you connected with a colonoscopy or, or whatever the um, specific is. So we send out, most offices, at least at Jefferson, we send out a questionnaire in advance and ask the patient to look through and really take time quietly to think of your own history. And maybe it's a good idea for our listeners as patients to bring a copy of that so they can sit and interview it while the doctor looks at the computer copy you think? Do you have yeah. a patients? No, I, I think it's really important to bring as much as you can written down, whether you keep it in a, you know, your notes app on your phone or a piece of paper or, uh, you know, a day book, however you carry your information. I think it's really important to bring that and to gather that information about your, your own, you know, medical history, reflect on the things that have happened, but also your family's history and, you know, talk to family members mm-hmm. so that you can understand what conditions might run in the family. Mm-hmm. And if you're seeing a physician for the first time, try your best to recollect any medical conditions you've you've had, at what age, how were they treated, have symptoms of those conditions recurred, all those things are important. And family history, you just touched on family history, which is one of my, um, not pet peeves, but one of my focal points because um, we all want to prevent every condition that there is. But with cancer screenings, 
a lot of people say, no, no cancer in my family. But as a GI doc, I'll say, well, it's not just families of colon cancer. Have any of your family members had colon polyps? Because that might cause you to advise them to start at a younger age, depending on the polyps, the nuances. That's why automation is good to an extent, but we have to have the critical thinking involved. And that is the beauty of sitting down with your primary care provider, doing your homework before you come, as does the, the clinician. I think another important family history question is, has anybody died at a young age? Um, did they die in a, in a car crash? Or Because when football players have sudden death, or any athletes, we say, why couldn't we have picked that up in advance? But even if you do a cardiogram on every athlete pre-participation, certain things aren't picked up that way. But if there's a family history of people dying in their 40s and 50s, we know to do an echocardiogram. We know to dig more deeply, yes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important. And, you know, sometimes people don't know, you know, or are unable to find out their family history. And I think, um, you know, it, that's a really challenging situation because you can't assume that they were well or unwell. And so you have to think about, you know, all the possibilities. Um, but to the extent possible, I do think it's really important for people to be able to talk with their family members and try and understand what you know, types of health issues have occurred. And I think we've become more a more casual society, people a little bit more open about things that were not discussed openly before, like mammograms and healthcare. So hopefully the next time you get together for a graduation or a wedding or you don't want to be talking about scary stuff, but maybe if it's a Thanksgiving or a situation of barbecue that it is a little bit more open, it's so important to get that info and share it with your other relatives. Something as simple as celiac disease. Every first degree relative of a celiac patient should be tested because if it's, it's not treated, it bumps the risk for lymphoma, et cetera. So that way, you as their primary care doc can t discuss preventive measures, when to start screening, and other ways to prevent. Let's talk about social history for a second because to us, that means what? So the social history has to do with um, the typically people's behaviors and their environment. Um, so things like alcohol use, smoking, um, exercise, uh, dietary habits, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, a, it's, you know, one of the most important factors that shapes somebody's health. So it's absolutely something that's, you know, you know that your, your doctor or your clinician is going to ask about, it, and it's really important to be able to have an open and honest conversation about that so that you can, you know, do, you know, get all of the information and do the best things that you can to make those habits and shape them to be as healthy as possible. And have our patients walk away understanding why we're being so careful about it. I see a lot of young people that come with, with belly pain and they exercise and they don't eat carbs and all these good things. And then we get to socialists and I say, do you drink much, much alcohol? Yeah, just one night a week. I'm saying like maybe six pack and a couple shots. Yeah, something like that. It just rolls off their tongues because they think, well, it's not drugs. Or then I'll see other young people with really bad GI symptoms and we do scope tests and CAT scans and look for excruciating pain. And it's because they're using marijuana on a daily basis that can really affect your GI tract. So that's why it's so important to, to be honest. You and I, we patients tell us things they don't tell their spouses. They, it's a sacred trust, and we respect that, and we can't help you if you're, you're not open with us. Sexual history as well. Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, sometimes this might be the only place that you're talking about that history. You know, so not everyone has those conversations with their friends and family, um, and so it's really important to uh, make sure that you're sharing that information with your, you know, physician or other provider and also asking questions if you have questions um, so that you can 
take care of yourself, protect yourself, screen for sexually transmitted infections if appropriate, um, and uh, and really feel that you have somebody that you can go to with any questions or concerns. Because one of the things, especially with young people, HPV, so preventable. Remember, it started out, we're just vaccinating young girls and young women, but then we realized that young men are also vectors, and now everybody's, but, but we have to screen for that beginning in our teens for HPV. Yeah, absolutely. So we screen women now routinely as part of their um, gynecologic exam, um, but we also offer the vaccine for uh, not just teenagers now, but also for adults. And um, so it's you know important to make sure the, the recommendations change. Like you said, they're different now than they were 10 or 15 years ago. And so um, that's another reason that it's really important to check in once a year. Well, so isn't it the case that if somebody's already had HPV, they should still get the vaccine because it might protect them from another uh, yeah, absolutely. HPV or the human papillomavirus, um, which is associated with um, not just genital warts, but also cervical cancer in women and, and other um, risks of less common cancers, but can be serious. And there's several different strains. Some are high risk, some are not. So, you know, even if somebody um, has had genital warts, which is due to HPV in the past, it's still re- really important for them to get that vaccine mm-hmm. so that they can be protected from the other strains. Because I think the big focus is on cervical cancer, but men can get anorectal, mm-hmm. uh, oral cancers. I mean, anybody can get oral cancer. So it's so important. Medication list. And if we have to take this into the next segment, we will. But it's so important that you tell us what medications you're taking. And if you can't remember, bring the bag, throw the pill bottles in so we could sit and review them and enter it accurately, and over-the-counter preparations. Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. If I can get one message across, it's please, please, please write down your medications, bring the bottles, bring your, you know, your bathroom cabinet, whatever you need to do so that we can have a conversation about, you know, what medications you're taking, what supplements you're taking, what you've taken in the past and didn't work for you or worked for you. Um, That's really important. Well, I think people assume that if they go to a health store, health food store, health that, that's, that these preparations are innocent. They can affect your blood thinner and make it more or less effective. They can make changes in your heart pills, your blood pressure pills. We have to know if you're taking supplements, like you say, like vitamins. We have to stop your vitamin E before you have surgery so you don't bleed too easily. All those things are so important. Over the counter, over the counter, over the counter. <laughs> like you say, if people don't remember anything else, we stress to that. That's a big one. Yep, absolutely. Let's take a little break, and when we come back, more on preparing for your annual physical with Dr. Rhea Powell from Jefferson. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. At Independence Blue Cross, we believe in giving you the tools you need to pursue your healthiest life. From premiums as low as $0 per month to health discounts and cash rewards, it pays to have coverage with Independence. With the strongest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free 24-7 virtual doctor visits, you can feel confident that quality care is always within reach. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com. 
When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. And welcome back to your radio doctor. We're here with Dr. Rhea Powell, an internist extraordinaire from Jefferson University Hospital, talking about how you can best prepare for that one big visit every year with your primary care provider. Rhea, thanks for being here. We, we were talking about medications and making sure we have the precise names, even if they're generic, especially if they're generic, doses, how often you take them, and, and how you access them, too. Do you get them by mail or at a drugstore? Because I'm hearing recently um, patients tell me they couldn't get their blood thinner. They couldn't get the cholesterol-lowering uh, drug. Are you finding that? Are your patients telling you that? Yeah, sometimes, um, you know, pharmaceutical industries, the stock changes. A pharmacy may have something in stock one month and then not the next. And so, you know, we need to be able to shift and make sure that people have access to their medications. And if they ever don't have access to their medications, they definitely need to reach out right away. Don't wait so that we can make sure some, no one is missing their medications. Yeah. So we can find an alternative medication or maybe get another uh, supply chain, supply chain, supply chain. None of us can predict. The other big area that we delve into at a annual history and physical is the review of systems. I really like to call it the ROS. Let's talk about that. What are the questions you ask a patient? Yeah. So the review of systems is really just the, you know, you're kind of trying to catch everything during that section of the visit. You know, have you had any sort of chest pain, heart palpitations, um, any other sort of heart-related symptoms? Have you had any lung symptoms, any shortness of breath, any coughing? And then we just really go kind of head to toe um, through all of the organ systems and body systems. And I think um, if you're feeling well on the day of your physical, it might be easy to say, oh, everything's negative. I feel yeah. fine. But that's where it's really important to kind of think back and think about, well, actually, you know what? I have noticed in the morning my hands are stiff all the time. And you know, right now I might feel okay. But make sure to share that type of information, even if you're not experiencing right that minute. Well, even you mentioned earlier, somebody uh, comes to your office with a skin rash. Maybe they're on a new medication or maybe they took some over-the-counter prep and it's an allergic reaction, but I wonder how um, much easier it is nowadays for people to, as you mentioned earlier, take notes. And if you, we, we ask somebody to say, you know, off and on, I have blurry vision, or off and on, I, when we ask about chest pain is a good example. I've had patients get confused with this. One of the first shows we did was, is this feeling in my chest heartburn or heart attack? Because it can be really hard to distinguish. So we say, does it come with exertion or does it come after eating? Does it wake you out of a sound sleep? Have you been losing weight? There are certain triggers for us that we know to put it into a, a specific category or when to be more worried about it. So we ask, headaches, dizziness. Then we go down, like you say, are you coughing? Um, do you have chest pain? No. Do you have chest pressure? I've had a patient say to me, every week when I take the trash out on Thursday night, I feel an elephant standing on my chest. So that might not be on the checklist on that questionnaire we send out in advance, but by going over those nuanced questions, how about my favorite, how are your bowel habits, have they changed? Because if somebody's been, say, constipated for 17 years, but now 
they're going more easily. That's not always something to celebrate. It could mean that something's brewing that's not good. So it's about those fine details. Let's review vaccines. Now, we've had world-class expert Dr. Paul Offit talk about COVID and RSV, but I think it's important to focus on the other time-tested. We know they're safe. We know they're invaluable. Let's talk about some of those vaccines. Let's start with flu vaccine. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an important time to talk about that right now because we're seeing a lot of flu uh, right now. Um, The rates are as high as they've been this flu season. And um, so just like you said, I think everybody's heard a lot and talked a lot about the COVID vaccine in the last few years or COVID vaccines. Um, But, you know, that doesn't mean that the other vaccines aren't important to make sure that you're staying on track with. In fact, um, you know, they're just as important, if not more. Um, So the flu vaccine every, you know, every year that one, I think people are pretty familiar with the timetable for that one. Um, And we recommend it in the fall so that you're vaccinated in time for that, you know, peak flu season, which we don't always know if it's going to be end of December, beginning of January. Sometimes it can even be later. So getting your flu shot in the fall um, makes sure that you're protected before Mm -hmm. that season hits. And you make another good point. For a while, when a person would get uh, a respiratory symptoms, the test for COVID say, oh, it's not COVID. I'm good to go. Well, what if it's pneumonia? (laughs) What if it's the flu? What if it's some other uh, thing that really needs our attention? So the triple-demic in recent years has been flu, COVID, and now RSV is an issue. Yeah. I've had that. Don't want that again. (laughs) No, and that's another one where there's a, a relatively new vaccine for RSV, And, um, you know, with some of the vaccines, like the flu shot, it's pretty much across the board. Everybody's recommended to get a flu shot every year. Uh, The RSV vaccine, the recommendations are a little bit more nuanced. And so the physical is an opportunity to talk with your, um, you know, your primary care physician and ask, like, is the RSV vaccine right for me? Who do you give it to? Do you recommend it for me? Um, So I think that's another reason to make sure to get that physical. Another one that people shy away from, I'm not sure why, but the shingles vaccine, mm-hmm. you do not want to get shingles because you've seen it so many times. I've seen it less often than you, but you can have what's called preherpetic. We know shingles is herpes zoster. It's a cousin to herpes, um, chicky pops, chicken pops. <laughs> <laughs> that little bit of uh, chicken pox stays in your system and varicella, couldn't think yeah. of it. Um, herpes zoster, and then it lights up when your body's on some other physical or emotional stress. And you can have pain before the rash appears or pain after, and that pain can last for years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I always try to encourage people um, that are eligible for the shingles vaccine to get it for that reason. You know, it is one of those vaccines. Some of them you can take and, you know, you might feel a little achy in your arm, but you'll be okay. I do tell people, I warn them, the shingles vaccine, you might feel a little flu-like for that 24 hours or even 48 hours afterwards. But the benefit is um, really important. And we're seeing shingles now. You know, I think we used to think of it as more of a, a disease that affected much older adults. And now Rannies. we're seeing it in, <laughs> in more middle-aged people and yes. even some young people. Mm-hmm. Um, very young people or even, you know, teenagers or people that are younger than me are vaccinated against chickenpox. But a lot of us, like you said, had chickenpox as a kid and, um, you know, are then at risk for developing shingles. And the vaccine is important to prevent it. And case included measles has popped up in philadelphia i heard on the news the other day that at least four cases are in the uh, philadelphia region so so important so especially teenagers going off to college we talk about the meningococcal uh vaccine yep absolutely um 
I uh, am a general internal medicine physician, so I mostly care for adults. Um, but I do see some some folks that are in that age group, and um, and it is one of the more important ones, especially before you go into that um, environment where young folks are living together in close quarters with lots of uh, teenagers and twenty somethings. It's important to get that vaccine. And how about people who are fortunate enough to welcome a new grandchild if they haven't had Tdap? Let's talk about that for a second. Yeah, absolutely. Tdap is the tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis um, vaccine, and I think a lot of people think about the tetanus vaccine as, you know, maybe you get it once every 10 years. And if you step on a rusty nail, you might need to go get a booster. Um, but the Tdap version of the vaccine also has the pertussis uh, immunization in it. Um, most women who have been pregnant in the last few years know that they'll get the Tdap during their pregnancy because mm. uh, for small babies, pertussis can be, uh, which is whooping cough, can be really, really dangerous. So um, if someone's going to be around a small baby, whether they're a grandparent or an aunt and uncle or babysitter, um, it's important to stay up to date on that vaccine so you can protect not just yourself, but also, you know, any small children that you might be around. At HPV, we talked about that's early on in the pediatrician's office. They're talking to teens about getting the HPV, but that's part of your list as well. Have you had it? If you've, if you've had HPV, we can still vaccinate you. Hepatitis B. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think back, I should know this, when we started vaccinating small children, because that has really helped control number of cases. Yeah, absolutely. I think we started vaccinating kind of routinely children in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people who were going to their, maybe their pediatrician at that time, still young, but not quite a baby, were getting kind of the catch-up vaccine. They were getting vaccinated as part of that initial campaign. Um, but folks who were already adults by the 90s may not have had that vaccine. So um, they are still eligible to get it. And, um, you know, especially if you're uh, either high risk or around anyone who's high risk, I think it's important to ask about whether you should get that vaccine too. Sure. If you're handling blood products or EMT, all those things. I mean, our hospitals require that we have those vaccinations. But uh, for those, as you mentioned, if they're right at the cutoff, then maybe they didn't have that be. And then we're going to talk about what labs are done annually. But one of the things is... Um, while we're talking about hepatitis B, hepatitis C, we're getting so much better at uh, treating it and controlling it and saving lives. You still don't want to get it. But there is a vaccination for hepatitis. There is no vaccine for hep C, but there is a vaccine for hep A. Yeah, and uh, hep A, especially uh, for people who travel travel internationally, is another one that's important to get. So, um, you know, I think there's there's lots of vaccines that uh, can help protect you. The guidelines are changing, you know, relatively frequently. So it's good to stay up to date with your visits so that you can make sure that you know whether or not you're eligible for a vaccine and uh, and stay on top of those. That is the bow on the package. Come in, sit down, go through the list because hepatitis A is pretty easy to spread because it's fecal oral, meaning somebody uses the bathroom, they don't wash their hands, then they shake your hand or they say that airports are super spreaders because now everything's tactile. You touch the board to you know, check in and there's so many, you see people use the potty and they walk out with their suitcase and they don't wash their hands. Share the love. (laughs) Um, What labs do you routinely get annually? Because I know you'll hear people say, I just saw the doctor two months ago. Why didn't they find, you know, this fungus under my toenail? Well, maybe it wasn't there. Maybe that's not in the package. I think that's one of the really hard things to communicate um, for me as a physician to some of my patients is that, um, you know, unfortunately, we don't have a test for everything. There are limits to what we can identify through blood work or even imaging. 
Um, but there are some things that we're really good at. Um, you just mentioned hepatitis C. And I think that's a real kind of public health and medical um, wonderful story because we've really been able to reduce the rates of hepatitis C around the country and around the world through both screening with a routine blood test. And that is one that we, we try to test every adult at least once in their life. And the reason we do that is because there's, a cur- there's curative treatments now and uh, that we didn't have, you know, 20 years ago. So, um, so some of the tests, the blood tests that we recommend are screening for um, viruses like hepatitis C, or we talked earlier about taking a sexual history. We may screen for sexually transmitted infections like HIV, chlamydia, and gonorrhea. And then we also do screening for, um, you know, and it really depends on the individual and their, you know, their age, their risk factors, um, but we'll oftentimes screen for things like diabetes and high cholesterol. Um, if somebody has high blood pressure, we're probably going to want to look at blood work for their kidney function. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're drinking alcohol at high rates, you know, during the week, we, we may want to look at their liver function with blood work. So there's lots of different tests that we may do depending on the individual and their symptoms. And that's another reason why it's so important to make sure to share all that information so we know which, um, which blood tests to order and which to look for. Because there really isn't one like just, you know, give me all the blood tests you know, here we press a button and we order everything. We have to tailor it to the person and, and they, who they are. Sure. And I think, again, that's the beauty of being calm. It's an elective visit. There's no fire that we have to extinguish. We're not talking about acute pain or a fracture. Sign up for your annual physical. Let's take a little break and we'll be back with Dr. Rhea Powell. And now for your real champion. I call this segment Healing as a Doctor and a Nun. Many children dream about what they'll be as adults, a fireman, a singer, the president. When Judith Jacoby was a little girl, she saw the sound of music and dreamed of being a nun singing in a choir. She grew up in Kane, Pennsylvania, a beautiful little town surrounded by the Allegheny National Forest, about 94 miles southeast of Erie long known as the icebox of Pennsylvania because of the extremely cold winters. By the age of 14, she felt a strong attraction to her Catholic church, playing the organ for weekday masses at 645, three mornings a week. It was her happy place. She loved her parish community. Other than mass on Sundays, her parents weren't very active in parish activities. Judith and her siblings went to public school, so they didn't have the daily exposure to issues of faith like children in Catholic school. Judith says her brothers and sister were either neutral or defiant about the religion classes offered to public school children, but she couldn't get enough of it. She loved learning about her faith, especially when the priest would discuss Bible stories. She finished high school at a time when young women who chose the convent entered right after graduation. Her family wasn't eager for her to make that immediate transition, and even Judith realized the value of pursuing further education first. She found an opportunity that was available in very few areas of the country. Gannon University in Erie, Pennsylvania, partnered with Hahnemann School of Medicine to offer a program that condensed eight years of college and medical school into only six years. It was a way to capture bright students with the appeal of saving two years of tuition and getting a head start on practice. Judith thoroughly enjoyed learning medicine, but felt the constant stirring in her heart to be a nun. Following residency in family medicine in Altoona, 
she stayed there to practice. She was busy with office hours and seeing patients in the hospital. She found pure joy when she'd deliver a baby and savors the memory of a house call on a night off when she brought comfort to a patient in her final hour. Over the course of 15 years, she built a large practice with grateful patients. The community depended on her. She had a comfortable home and developed a close circle of friends who were single and married, and she dated a lot. But she still had the urge to explore the various communities of nuns. It was the Friday before Christmas of 2005. A local surgeon was retiring, and his beautiful office was in her price range. The following Monday, she noticed the front page of the Wall Street Journal with a picture of two little sisters of the poor asking for donations. A day or so later, she called a priest friend to talk about her continued discernment. He asked, have you ever heard of the little sisters of the poor? It was a sign. She bought the medical office, but by February, she visited the little sisters. To her surprise, the head of the province said there would be no guarantee that she could continue practice as a physician. Quote, we assign our sisters based on our needs. If we need a collector, can you do that, Judith? Judith hesitated, but said, I'll take it to prayer. I want to be a good steward of my gifts and use my education. Well, after further consideration, she answered the call. She left her practice on September 30, 2007, and entered the convent two weeks later on October 18. After two years of study, Judith took her first vows, then four years later, final vows in France. The mission of the Little Sisters of the Poor is to serve the elderly poor of every race and religion day and night, treating them like family while meeting their physical and spiritual needs. Most sisters take the three vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. The little sisters also take the vow of hospitality, providing a home and care for the neediest of the elderly, sharing their suffering and relieving their pain. At first, Judith grieved about leaving her medical practice, but soon realized what she missed was the relationships. But then she enjoyed making new relationships with the residents she served, and by 2016, she was training other young women entering the order. She never did join the choir, but after dinner each night, she plays a grand piano as the residents sing along. Sister Judith is finally happy and considers it an honor when she can sit at the bedside of a resident who is dying, knowing that hers may be the last face they see before they meet the Lord. Her advice? Get away from the noise and listen to your heart. Don't chase power and money. The gift is not just sharing what you have, but sharing who you are. We salute you, Sister Judith, and all the Little Sisters of the Poor. Learn more about the Little Sisters and their mission at littlesistersofthepoor.org. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. 
Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, now Saturday afternoons at 5, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor. We're learning so much from Dr. Rhea Powell, internist from Jefferson University Hospital. Rhea, we were talking about what blood tests are done on a regular basis at that annual visit. And I'm sure you do a blood count because anemia can represent so many different issues. Let's talk yeah. about the blood count itself. What can you learn from that? Yeah, I mean, a, a couple things that you touched on earlier, you know, it, it really is helpful. Like you mentioned, if somebody is having fatigue, that's going to be one of the tests that I'm going to turn to to see if we can identify anemia because um, it is a common cause of fatigue. And it also can be a really important harbinger if somebody does have anemia, you know, um, I'm sure you know, uh, we, want, we want to be thinking about, does somebody, are they at risk for colon cancer, colorectal cancer, uh, or another cancer, or another cause of anemia? So um, it's one thing that if we identify it, then may lead to follow-up blood tests or follow-up other tests, um, but it's important to get that initial screening step um, for a lot of folks. And the cool thing about that very basic test, so anemia means your hemoglobin, or that tells us how full your tank is. If that number is low, it can be because you're trickling blood, not enough to see it, not enough to see blood on the toilet tissue when you use the bathroom. But if it's mixed in with your waist, you're not going to see it. So we, that's why we have to do that blood count every year to see if A, you're losing it, or B, the part of your bowel where you absorb it isn't working. Like we said, celiac, if you're not absorbing enough iron, you can't make new red cells. Or is your bone marrow tired? Could you have a bone marrow issue? Could you have leukemia? Or could you just not be eating enough iron and other vitamins like B12 in your diet. So it's such a basic door that opens for us. And your white count too, your white blood cell count. Yeah. And especially if somebody's having any sort of inflammatory symptoms um, or we're concerned about an infection, it can be, again, you know, one piece of information that we use to kind of put together the puzzle uh, Mm -hmm. using various data points of what's going on. And we need to know because if it's important for you to take a daily baby aspirin, we know that that can irritate the stomach lining and lead to ulcers. Maybe that's why your blood count is low. So all those good reasons. So we check a blood count, a complete blood count means we look at your white blood cells that are a sign of infection, your platelets that help you clot. Then we always get a chemistry panel. And as you mentioned, we want to make sure your kidneys are awake and they're happy. It also gives us a peek at your liver functions, which can be affected from alcohol, but also medications. Um, other conditions? Let's talk about chemistry panel a little bit. Yeah, I think, um, and there are certain conditions that it's really, really important that we do that. So like I was mentioning earlier, if somebody has high blood pressure or diabetes or they're on medications that are metabolized through the liver or the kidney, it's going to be really important for us to um, to screen those lab tests. Um, I think one thing I, you know, I do want to caution is that we have some really good information Sometimes it's not always valuable or it can be a lot of information that some of it's meaningful. Others, you know, one of your, um, you know, your red blood cell size might be just barely slightly outside the normal range, but everything else looks normal. 
Um, you know, I want to make sure that people don't get too alarmed when they see that before they've had a chance to discuss what it means with their primary care clinician, because increasingly people have access to their lab results, you know, at the same time as their doctor or before their doctor, even if, you know, their doctor hasn't gotten to looking at those results yet. And people might, like you said earlier, kind of go down Dr. Google, Google rabbit holes and start worrying that they have, you know, seven different serious medical conditions when really that's an opportunity to talk with your own, you know, uh, primary care clinician or other healthcare professionals that you trust to figure out, you know, what does this mean for me? What do we need to do next? Well, you bring up such an important point. We want to reassure you when it doesn't mean any, Ria, Ria pal, reassure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's, it's understandable that you had labs drawn the other day. I haven't heard from the office yet. I'll just take a peek. And so that's why we're here to help you and, and um, address issues that concern us, but help you. I remember one day, I had procedures from 7.15 in the morning till about 4 o'clock. And some poor soul had a CAT scan the day before. And usually it takes a day or two before we get there. Anyway, uh, called the next morning because had access to the report that said that there was a hernia in the foramen of Bactola. This poor lady thought it meant cancer or that she need surgery or something. And it didn't mean anything. It's just a little bit of tissue that's... <laughs> near the diaphragm that's just like saying, well, you have freckles. And the CAT scans, at least when in my early training, could not pick up any abnormalities smaller than a centimeter. A centimeter's uh, 40% of an inch. I mean, that's sizable, half an inch. So you don't want to miss something. Now it picks up salt and pepper from yesterday's lunch. So, so again, don't be Dr. Google. Use Google to know what questions to ask, but not to get yourself too upset. The other things that you review after you do the physical are those topics of smoking cessation. Let's talk about some of those that we listed before when we talked the other day. Yeah, um, you know, this is your opportunity to talk about not just like what things should I be, scre should I be screening for, um, you know, checking the high blood pressure, or checking your blood pressure to find out if it's high, but also really talking about those um, habits that you have. Um, some of them, you know, you may just, this might be your opportunity to reinforce that what you're doing is exactly what you should be doing, you know, and, uh, it, it's always great if during the visit someone tells me, you know, I'm going to, I'm walking three times a week and I'm going to a yoga class one day a week and I'm trying to eat vegetables and eat healthy. That's great. I still want to know that information, even if, you know, um, it feels like you're doing all the right things and you don't need more information. Um, but I, I think it's especially important for people who feel like they're really struggling to figure out how to um, uh, make healthy choices in their day. You know, sometimes a lot of people just don't have the time. And so that's the opportunity to kind of brainstorm and um, collaborate to come up with ideas and, and share, well, you know, I really can't get fresh fruits and vegetables on a regular week work week because I'm, you know, out the door at 7 a.m. and not home till late and try and kind of come up with strategies to work in some of those healthy habits to mm -hmm. help prevent conditions before they occur. And really the same goes with exercise. We all have good intentions, but by the time you fill in the blanks, and do your work, get their early special meeting, or and forget being remote because people say, well, you don't have to commute, so let's start our meetings at 7, or let's go till 7 p.m. because you'd be driving home at that time. So do you get up and run around the refrigerator a few times? No. But the take-home message is exercise can lower your blood sugars even if you don't lose weight. What a bonus. And if people hear that, they're more likely to say, you know what? Maybe I'll go up and down the steps five or six times, or maybe at lunchtime tomorrow, I'll grab an apple and I'll walk 
around you know, the block a few times just to get in motion. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, exercise has so many benefits and it's, it's not just about somebody's weight. It's about, um, you know, like you said, it's about their, um, their physical health as well. So things like, uh, osteoporosis, um, you know, particularly women, older women are at high risk for osteoporosis, which is bone density loss. Well, weight bearing exercise is one of the mainstays of, uh, preventing and treating osteoporosis. Um, Mood conditions, things like depression and anxiety, exercise is really, really beneficial for that. So um, it's absolutely something that we should be discussing at, you know, really ideally every physical. Um, Sometimes there's a lot to discuss and it may be hard to fit it in, but I think um, it's something that we want to talk about. And I always tell my patients, you know, you don't have to be a marathon runner. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to be in the CrossFit gym five times a week, but just getting some, you know, 20 minutes of uh, walking or like you said, go up and down the stairs, be creative, um, figure out what works for you, what you like doing and what you'll be consistent at. And sometimes that means finding a friend or a buddy to, to partner with. You're more um, committed if you have to answer to your friend who's standing there waiting for you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, I think again, that was another bonus uh, or a good thing from COVID. You saw people, they're so tired of being cooped up. They were out walking in their neighborhoods to meet neighbors, to meet friends. So the other opportunity for people is when they say, you know what, I'm ready to quit smoking or, you know what, I'm going to be honest here, I'm drinking more than I like to admit. And you can offer suggestions for programs to get them started and and uh, connect them with the right people. And the other thing you always ask is, do you feel safe in your home? Are you safe in your environment? Do you have any worries that you want to share with me that you might not think is appropriate? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really, really important question. And it can mean different things to different people. So sometimes safety might mean, um, do you feel safe and comfortable with the people that you live with? And sometimes safety might mean, um, are you worried if you live alone? And are you worried that you're going to fall or you can't um, you know, point. manage your house? So I think that's another really important topic to discuss. Telehealth. It really blossomed when we were isolated. When is that best use? When is that appropriate? When is it not? Yeah, telehealth is great for so many reasons. Um, It can be really, really helpful, um, you know, when it's really challenging for somebody to get into the office. You know, my office is in Center City, and I know it's hard to come into Center City Park or take the bus, and, and that can take a lot of time out of someone's day. So, you know, when there's situations where we just need to discuss whether or not a medication is working and maybe tweak the dose a little bit or know, um, things like mental health concerns, a check-in about somebody's depression or their anxiety, um, even things like sometimes, you know, diabetes, uh, how's your blood sugar been doing? Show me your meter. Like, let's talk about how things have been going with your blood sugar. A lot of that can be done um, in between your physical visits through telehealth. Um, But I still encourage people, it's really important at, at least once a year to have that visit in the office where there's a lot of things that we can't do over telehealth that we can do during the physical that's when we can actually me- measure your blood pressure in the office. Make sure if you have a home blood pressure cuff, it, it we're getting the same readings that you are. Listen to your heart. Listen to your lungs. Um, and also just have that face-to-face conversation, that time to, um, you know, kind of delve into some of these issues. And even that one idea of blood pressure, because if the cuff isn't applied properly or if it's the wrong size, let's say somebody's a little bit heavier, the cuff might be too small, so it's tight. And we're getting a falsely elevated reading, and we don't want to base medication dose on a, a, an incorrect reading. And it also gives a chance 
I, I think, though, if somebody has acute pain and they say, well, I can't get in, I want to telehealth, that's when we say, but I need, you know, if your car is making a noise, I have to lift the hood and look inside. If you're having pain, or I need to put my hands on your belly and make sure you don't have something that needs surgery, or right? Yeah, there are certain conditions where, you know, we're going to say, this is really something that has to be examined in person. And so, you know, if you have an opportunity, if there's some acute issue, some new sudden issue going on, sometimes just um, if you're able to get a quick phone call into the nurse or the staff in the office and have them say, you know, should, should this be in person or is it okay to do telehealth if you can't ask that question? Or, you know, you may just need to be prepared that you do the telehealth visit and at the end of it, the, um, the doctor might say, listen, I think you really need to come in so we can evaluate this in person. Right. And that's where that's what's so helpful because if if you see somebody and say, this is really going to help your blood pressure, but it might make you thirsty or it might give you a headache. You want to talk to the person and make sure they're not brushing that off. We all suffer a little bit from denial. We don't want there to be a problem. We just go away. It's not that bad of a headache. It's not that the swelling isn't that bad, but we need to know because A, to make you more comfortable and to keep you safe. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's things that, you know, we talked in the beginning. One of the reasons that it's important to get that physical is a lot of conditions may be asymptomatic. You might not experience any symptoms, um, things like high blood pressure. But um, just because you don't feel any symptoms from high blood pressure doesn't mean that it's ha- not having effects on you and, you know, potentially your long-term health. So it's really important to have an opportunity to, to identify and discuss those things. Exactly. Let's take a little break. And when we come back, we'll be here for our final wrap-up. Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. I'm always striving to live my healthiest life, so I need a health plan that has my back. With Independence Blue Cross, I get access to the largest network of doctors and hospitals in the region and free virtual doctor visits 24-7. Plus, with premiums as low as $0 per month, I can stay on top of my health and keep my budget in check. Independence has given me coverage I can count on, and they'll do the same for you. Learn more about your coverage options at ibx.com. When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Welcome back to our final segment of Your Radio Doctor. We call this segment Your Weekly Prescription. It's been such a treat to have you, Dr. Rhea Powell, because we're talking about the value of your annual physical, how you can be proactive. How would you summarize what we discussed, Rhea, and give people a take-home message? I think the take-home message that I would have about the annual physical is you know, this is your time. So make sure you come in prepared with your questions and your history. Um, and also see it as an opportunity to, um, you know, your, your doctor's getting to know you and you're getting to know them and you're getting an opportunity to share what your health priorities are, what matters to you. And so it should really be an opportunity to start to build that relationship that you can, or continue to build that relationship that you can hopefully have over time. And, um, you know, the physical is so good because it's that time where it's not 
Um, you know, it's not, there's nothing urgent going on, hopefully. Sometimes there is. Um, but you have that foundation of that relationship so that when you do get sick, when something does come up or you get results that you weren't expecting, you have somebody that you trust and you can turn to to say, you know, help me interpret this. What do you think I should do? Um, they know who you are and they understand a little bit about your priorities and you can work together to figure out a plan. And your circumstances too, as you say, if it's an older person, they might not feel safe in their environment and might lead to a discussion of maybe it's time to get somebody to come and help you a couple of hours a day and get you into the right programs or connect you with smoking cessation or substance use disorder um, help. And and you talked about labs so clearly. I, I know people will walk away more willing to get their annual labs, like a blood count can tell us so much. Chemistries talk about that that whole world that's going on that involves kidneys, liver, and a medication that's being metabolized by your kidneys. If your kidneys are a little slow, we're going to cut the medicine. We're going to adjust the medicine appropriately. The other labs we talked, I mentioned uh, thyroid, which you did as well, but your hemoglobin A1C, that is the window into the soul of possible diabetes because what we know after years of having that advantage is that if your A1C is elevated, even before your blood sugars start to misbehave, that's when we start to see the ravages of diabetes. Yes. Can we talk about that for 30 yeah, seconds? Yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, I think that's one of the great examples of um, the ways that we can prevent disease. So the hemoglobin A1C test, like you mentioned, is used to diagnose diabetes, but also prediabetes. And so we can identify if somebody's at risk for diabetes, and then we can help them you know, learn the tools and strategies so they can prevent diabetes from happening or slow its onset. And give them information about how to do that. So, yeah, there's so many reasons. It's it's not just about treating disease. It's also about preventing disease when you're at that physical. So the cutoff for normal is? The cutoff for uh, normal hemoglobin A1C is uh, 5.4 or less. And then there's, uh, you know, between, um, or sorry, 5.8 or less. And, and then up to 6.4 is um, uh, is pre-diabetes, pre-diabetes, and then above 6.4 is diabetes. Yeah. And we're learning so much about that pre-diabetic window, and that's when the plaques begin to build up in your arteries and, and uh, the havoc begins. Rhea, the other really important thing is mental health. And I think people have always considered it a taboo or they don't want to face it or they don't want to share it with other people. How can people get help for mental health? Uh, issues. Yeah, the primary care office is a really good place to bring those issues up. Um, one, because they affect your ability to to manage all your other health conditions, um, but also because uh, they can be the gateway to getting the right treatment that you need. You know, whether it's depression, anxiety, or some other mental health condition. Um, you know, it's it's really hard right now. I think there's um, there's not enough. Therapists, you know, we need more people to be able to have that expertise um, and psychiatrists. So, primary care clinicians actually end up managing a lot of depression and anxiety. And you may not, you know, you may think that they're going to refer you on to a psychiatrist or be worried about that, but they're actually a good place to start and have that conversation about the symptoms, what the right treatment is. Do you, you know, is a medication appropriate? Is therapy appropriate? Do you want to just touch base with your PCP once a year and say, you know what, I'm doing okay, but I'm going to keep an eye on these, you know, this anxiety and let you know if it gets worse. Plus you say if it's relatively new or it's a, a manageable level, maybe adding exercise or feeling better about your diet 
th- that's a great start. And if that doesn't help, then move on to a psychiatrist. And the other thing is your medical records. You own them. A lot of hands are involved, whether it's the intake receptionist or a medical student or multiple doctors that one might mistakenly go, click, yes, this person drinks alcohol when they don't. And that could change their insurance, whatever, it could change their insurance or their history or what we suggest for them. So take a role, be proactive. I think that's our big message today too. Dr. Rhea Powell, I've always known that you're a superstar. We've shared patients for many years and I always trust your opinion and, and look to you for help. And I know that your patients love you, not because you're just because you're so smart, but because you're a wonderful, wonderful physician and person. So thank you for joining us today. We learned a lot. If people want to make an appointment at Jefferson Internal Medicine, they can call. Uh, I don't, I guess my office number, um, but probably the best way is just to go to the Jefferson Health website because then you can find um, any primary care clinician, whether they're in Center City where I work or you know, anywhere in the region, because we've got lots of wonderful PCPs See, all I'm over. I'm so used to saying 1-800-JEFF-NOW. Oh, yeah, that is the number. <laughs> but the That's website, the too. Um, yeah, thank you. No, you're right. It is 1-800-JEFF-NOW. Thank you. I was blanking on the... Well, I always forget that I'm a millennial. Not. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and then people go in and, and schedule online. Jefferson.edu. It's all good. Thank you, Repel. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to Your Radio Doctor every Saturday here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We have an entire library with almost 190 shows. Listen to any of them on odyssey.com, that's A-U-D-A-C-Y.com, or visit our website, yourradiodoctor.net. Look for us on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and X, and now on TikTok. Show us some love. Please follow and like your radio doctor. Now for a special announcement. We are very grateful to 6ABC who came to the station this past week to conduct an interview about the show. So look for your radio doctor on 6ABC News this week. Next week, we'll be back at our regular time of 5 p.m. We might start a little late if we're following Temple basketball, but please remember to join us. And please continue to pray for peace in our world, peace in our country, peace in our families, and peace in each of our own very hearts. This is your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, wishing you a happy, healthy, and safe week with the ones you love, and always here to remind you that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. To contact Dr. Marianne and to listen to today's show as well as past shows, visit yourradiodoctor.com. This program is paid for by Your Radio Doctor, LLC. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Your Radio Doctor and their guests and do not reflect the opinions of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Millions of Americans are losing their medical assistance or Medicaid coverage. If this affects you, Independence Blue Cross can help. You may be eligible to enroll in a health plan for as little as $0 a month. With Independence Blue Cross, you get the largest provider network in the area, including most Keystone First doctors and hospitals. We also offer free 24-7 telemedicine, coverage for hospital stays and prescriptions. See if you qualify for $0 health insurance and enroll today. Call Independence Blue Cross at 1-844-464-2583 or visit ibx.com slash stay covered.